You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. We don't get to go from exclusively gendering God as male to now describing God as genderless. This conveniently bypasses the internal confrontation that many would have to face through the practice of of gendering God as a, a woman. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 423. Our title this week is Jesus and God as Woman, and our reading is from the Gospel of John. This is John 14, 8 through 17. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you, such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the work works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The word cannot, the world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. Him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. So, this week's gospel lectionary reading has a lot of details to notice. And the first thing that strikes me at least now at this place in my journey, is the overwhelming maleness of this passage. Jesus is male. He reveals the Father as male. And and the Spirit is referred to as male, refers to the divine exclusively in male language and symbols. The symbols we use for God have a function. And exclusively speaking of God with only male language and only male symbols That has a function, too. Elizabeth Johnson, in her book, uh, She Who Is, uh, this is from Kindle Location 831, she writes, This exclusive speech about God serves in manifold ways to support an imaginative and structural world that excludes or subordinates women. Wittingly or not, it undermines women's human dignity as equally created in the image of God. Describing the divine as exclusively male or or masculine has... It's produced some bad fruit throughout Christian history, and I want to offer two examples this week. The first comes from uh, John Paul Boyer in, in some thoughts 
on the ordination of women. And this is quoted uh, by Jacqueline Grant in her book, White Women's Christ and Black Women's Jesus. And I'll give all the references to that in this week's Eastside. But uh, 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 J- John Paul Boyer uh, states, being a Jew, being a Palestinian, being a first century man, all of these are what we might call in the language of the Aristotelian metaphysics, the accidents of Christ's humanity, but his being a male rather than a woman is of the substance of his humanity. He could have been a 20th century Chinese, and I'll interject the word person, and been cultural and been cultural differences notwithstanding much the same person that he was but he could not have been a woman without having been a different sort of personality altogether i find this statement deeply disturbing on multiple levels for boyer every other detail of the incarnation is incidental but the fact that jesus was male that's what's substantive and and and, and the second example is from pope uh, paul the sixth this is on october 15th 1976 as quoted by jacqueline grant as well in the same volume but uh, pope paul issued a declaration on the question of women and the priesthood <clears throat> and and, and, and the declaration, it specifically excludes women from the image of God, the Imago Dei, and, and justifies the exclusion by referring to Jesus as the exclusive revelation of the divine. Notice the logic here. If, if, if Jesus is the exclusive revelation of the divine and Jesus was male, uh, well, just follow along. The Christian priesthood is therefore of a sacramental nature. The priest is a sign, the supernatural effectiveness of which comes from the ordination received, but a sign that must be perceptible and which the faithful must be able to recognize with ease. The whole sacrament Mental economic is in face based on natural signs or symbols imprint upon the human psychology. Sacramental signs, says St. Thomas, represent what they signify by natural resemblance. The same natural resemblance is required for persona as for things. When Christ's role in the Eucharist is to be expressed sacramentally, there would not be this natural resemblance which must exist between Christ and his ministry if the role of Christ were not taken by a man. In such a case, it would be difficult to see in the minister the image of Christ, for Christ himself was and remains man. So according to this declaration, because Jesus was male, those who represent Jesus sacramentally, they have to also be male. And it's only one step further to state that Jesus was was male and Jesus is the express revelation of God, and then to say that God is also, therefore, exclusively male. Patriarchal hierarchy, it's been deeply ingrained, not only through teachings based on Jesus's exclusive male gendering of the divine, but also the Second Testament's practice of describing the church as even the bride of Christ, with Christ being superior to the church and being male, and the church being subservient to Christ and and then being female. The symbols of a male Jesus in a female church, that unhealthfully reinforces this false belief that men are somehow superior to women 
women and women are to somehow be uh, submissive or subservient to men. And this doesn't even begin to address how harmful a binary exclusive understanding of gender can be. I find it telling that, that, that it's often the gender of Jesus that defines God. That qualifies human men for ordination, that, that centers men while disenfranchising those who do not identify as male within the church. I've even had some very close friends that were uh, associated with Renewed Heart Ministries that have had to part ways with us over this because we refuse to exclusively gender God as male. They were quite progressive in, in most other areas of, of their, their faith walk. But they could not get past this refusal to by us to only gender God as uh, the, uh, as male. So rarely do we see Jesus. Uh, uh, Jesus's ungendered concern for the poor or his ungendered uh, uh, c- concern for the marginalized or the excluded on the edges of society uh, or Jesus's ungendered ethic of universal love and treating others as you would like to be treated. Rarely do we see these things as what defines God or the, the divine or what qualifies one for ordination. These are the qualities that should uh, qualify one for ordination. These are the qualities or characteristics that should impact um, how we view and treat those who are not gendered as as male. To say that those what, what defines or qualifies one for ordination or or, or, or ministry or or, or or anything of that nature uh, is their anatomy uh, or what a gender they identify as or what gender they are identified as by the system. All of that uh, is, is too far a reach. Those are not the primary focus. In the, the gender of Jesus is not the primary focus in the Jesus story. It's his moral philosophy. These are there. There are many life-giving symbols of the divine in the Jesus story. But we need to be honest. Jesus's maleness and the divine being repeatedly and exclusively gendered as father. That is not one of those life. Giving symbols. Because of them, many Christians and non Christian feminists alike have questioned whether Jesus can even be an effective savior or liberator for women at all within a deeply patriarchal society or within deeply patriarchal communities. And to say that Jesus is the, is the express revelation of God, as Christianity claims, that can be life-giving or that statement itself can be death-dealing, depending on what someone means by that statement. What do you mean when you say Jesus is a revelation of uh, of the, the divine? Is he a revelation? Is he the revelation? And what do you mean by that? Are you talking about his concern for the marginalized, his his solidarity with the poor, or are you talking about his exclusive male gender? Some, seeing the above challenges, they've chosen to adopt even a genderless uh, symbol uh, or genderless symbols, plural, for God or or the divine. And and they use uh, symbols that can be heard and understood in multiple gender expressions. Uh, they're just genderless. And, and while a part of me applauds this uh, as an important step, I think we may have skipped a step here. We don't get to go 
from exclusively gendering God as male for 2,000 years in Christianity to now describing God as genderless. This conveniently bypasses the internal confrontation that many would have to face through the practice of of gendering God as a a woman. A few years ago now, I engaged in a a 12-month practice of exclusively referring to and thinking of God with female gendered language and symbols. And, and I wasn't prepared for what this would dig up inside of me that I didn't know was there. I had to face my own indoctrination and my own socialization and patriarchal social structures and my own internal biases that I didn't even know I had. And, and I now I would recommend that practice to anyone. It doesn't take long to realize that gendering God as a woman is not only life-giving, uh, but that it's not neutral. It's redemptive and it's restorative as well. It's medicinal. It's therapeutic. The fish don't know they're wet. And many of us don't realize the misogynistic waters we've been swimming in all of our lives and how we have inadvertently soaked up some of that water, no matter how hard we have endeavored to swim against the stream. So I, I was raised by a, by a single mother and I thought I had evolved past a lot of the, the gender-based assumptions, but, but, but I was shocked to discover how much patriarchy had still shaped me. There are also some sources that can help. If this is a new journey for you, here's just a few of the books that I have found of incredible value on my journey. The first one is the classic by Elizabeth A. Johnson, She Who Is. The second one I referenced earlier by Jacqueline Grant, White Women's Christ and Black Women's Jesus. Uh, then uh, uh, Wilda Gaffney, uh, Reverend Dr. Wilda Gaffney's uh, A Woman's Lectionary for the Whole Church is invaluable. Also, there is a, a, a collection of essays by Joan Carlson Brown and, and Carol R. Uh, Bone, and uh, the title is Christianity, Patriarchy, and Abuse. I think that's out of print now, but if you can get a copy, it's well worth it. And lastly, the, the Christian God Project, um, uh, the divine feminine version of the New Testament. Also, uh, especially for children, I want to also make mention, there's a new children's book project due soon from a dear friend of mine, Deneen Akers. She's the author of Holy Troublemakers and Unconventional Saints, and, and she's working on a project right now that helps children imagine and re relate to uh, divine femininity, and, and, and specifically in, the, in, in relation to Mama God. So, so, so people of all genders should be able to see themselves as bearing the image of the divine, because we all do, and in our language for God, in the symbols that we use for God, we can and we must represent that image more clearly, more life-givingly. Uh, language and symbols, remember, they have a function, and we must be honest in asking whether the language and symbols that we use genuinely are life-giving for everyone. Heart Group application this week, share something that spoke to you from this week's eSight or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, how does imagining the divine engenders other than male impact 
to your own Jesus following. Discuss that as a group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today, right where you are. Keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week.